You're listening to the audio portion of Workshop Wednesdays. Workshop Wednesdays is a free live discussion about topics affecting accountants, bookkeepers, and business owners. You can join the Avo group in Facebook to participate live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Just search for ABBO in Facebook. This podcast is brought to you by SchoolofBookkeeping.com, where you will learn, grow, and build a thriving bookkeeping practice. We have hundreds of lessons with almost every aspect of the industry. Start your free month today at schoolofbookkeeping.com. Brought to you by uh, schoolofbookkeeping.com. So we'll just go kind of go around the horn here. And while you're introducing ourselves, I'll continue to try to share this to where it's supposed to go on uh, Facebook. But uh, hopefully you're watching either from YouTube or on uh, schoolofbookkeeping.com's Workshop Wednesday uh, page. Uh, but uh, my name is Dan DeLong with uh, schoolofbookkeeping.com and my partner in crime. Terry uh, no Because we're all on the up and up. Yes, we're doing accounting, Dan. Don't get them scared. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Want... <laughs> and then we're also joined uh, with our, our, always our friend at ADP. Hello, everyone. It's Caitlin with ADP. Okay. And uh, new face. Uh, Nick, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Nick Foucault with Points North. All right. So we are wrapping up our series uh, on, um, you know, probably the ne- this week or next or probably next week, we'll be, we'll be talking about uh, a final topic uh, because we've been, what has it been like six months? We've been, <laughs> we've been going through we've been, yeah, payroll fundamentals, but now we're getting a little more, we're stepping into not so fundamental, but still right. things to know payroll basics to advanced right so some, yes so we're we're talking about uh, today we're going to be talking about certified payroll and we brought uh, nick on uh with uh with points north uh which is a certified payroll provider right uh so we want to just just really just generally talk about what is certified payroll when do you need it um and and, and that sort of thing you know just as kind of like those basic topics because either if you're a business that um, that has payroll and you might need uh, certified payroll. At least you want to know whether you need it or not. So, so Nick, I'm going to ask the question to you, certified payroll. Well, that's a great question, Dan. And uh, <laughs> do you mind if I use that as a jumping off point to share my screen? With some content? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, so you should be able to well. do that at the bottom there. All right, just one moment here. There we go. You can see the PowerPoint now. Uh, and then we got to turn it on. There we go. <laughs> I got it. There we go. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, you had a good uh, starting point, Dan, because basically this is the agenda that we'll step through here today is just basically what is this, right? What is certified payroll? How did it come to be? What's the Davis Bacon Act, prevailing wage, some of these terminologies that are commonplace in this space? And then uh, we'll talk it a little bit about it. had me at Bacon. we'll talk a little bit about some of the specifics around doing some of the reporting that uh, is also required with all of this and uh, go from there with it so again just a little bit of a introduction to myself my name is Nick Foucault I'm with a company called Points North and we're a compliance software solutions company and one of our specific systems is called certified payroll reporting and having been in this space over 10 years now uh, I've developed a good degree of uh, subject matter experience in relation to this. 
so I've worked uh, with clients in all 50 states and they use all different payroll platforms, uh, including, of course, ADP, which is a great partner of ours for a long, long time, and uh, QuickBooks, both QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Desktop. This whole subject matter is really kind of the great equalizer as far as who's required to comply with it if they're going to take on one of these types of jobs. And so uh, we're happy to work with anybody uh, using whatever payroll platform they might prefer. And I always like to go back to the really the beginning when explaining what this is and what it's all about, which goes back to the Davis-Bacon Act. Uh, that's certainly a, <clears throat> a law uh, name that sticks in people's minds, right? And so the uh, Davis-Bacon Act is back from 1931. And it's the law that actually established the requirement to pay what are known as prevailing wages on public works or government-funded projects. So basically, you take on a project from the government. Because it's their project, they're going to tell you what to pay your employees. That's so a little if, bit I can, if I can, I can kind of interrupt uh, there. I, so if you, th this became prevalent because uh, people were paying less than what they, they should. I mean, I talk a little bit about prevailing wage and what that what that is. Sure. The Yeah, exactly. The, what is prevailing? Right. And so it was that basically there were underpayments happening for a variety of reasons uh, as far as the government was concerned to people doing this type of work. And so it became a law that there was going to be a review of the rates that were prevailing or most common in certain geographic areas. And that was going to go into a determination of what the appropriate rate was to pay for a certain project in a certain geographic area. So you're exactly right about that. Yeah. So, so it's based off of where you're at and what you're doing as far as right. the, Geography. the project, but it's only if it has to deal with, uh, with the government. That's right. Yeah, these are public works projects, government funded projects. That's where this becomes relevant. And uh, yeah. it is done by geography. And then the type of work you're actually going to perform carpentry versus, versus uh, electrical, something like that. Got it. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, please, please. As I go through this, please do, do interrupt me if there's uh, something that uh, you're interested in discussing. Okay. And uh, a little more uh, detail, just uh, again, on lines of what you were alluding to, this uh, idea of that prevailing wage, so to speak, uh, it takes into account more than just that basic hourly rate that you would have to pay the employee, $20 per hour for every hour they work, for example. There's also what are uh, commonly known as fringes mixed up in this, right? And so what is that? Well, the contractor who wins the job has to pay the entirety of the value, so to speak, that the employee is entitled to based on their work on that project. And that value can be determined from a variety of factors, right? It could be that it's uh, all gonna be done in cash, $100 per hour. Maybe that's the entirety of what the prevailing wage really is. So the employee needs to get that $100 per hour value. And the em employer says, here you go, here's $100 per hour. But it could also be that there are gonna be a combination of benefits or bona fide fringes, bona fide meaning there's some qualifiers around what's gonna count. But the benefits, the fringes that you might be paying, a, a contribution to a dental plan or to a pension fund or to a, a training fund, some of these fringe rates can count also towards that overall prevailing wage rate, that prevailing wage benefit that that employee has to get. For so, the so it's not just the cash that you're that you're paying them, you know, as far as as far as the payroll, because there's a as we've talked about in some other you know, other topics uh, for the fundamentals, you know, there's more costs uh, that go involved with, with regards to payroll.
role. So maybe um, personal use of a company car or things like that, right? Absolutely. Yep. And then okay. that uh, skipping ahead to kind of the end result, right? Making sure all that's being reported on as far as here's what John Smith was compensated during this pay period for his work on this project in total. Right? He got $100 an hour worth of value. That's really what this all ends up being about is making sure that from a labor compliance standpoint, the employees are being compensated uh, based on what the requirement was around the entirety of the prevailing wage. Gotcha. So the, um, so who, who does, I mean, maybe I'm getting to the next slide, but who, who gets this, um, this certified payroll report? Like who, who do you got to send it to? That's a great question. So typically it's being sent ultimately to the government agency responsible for the contractor for the project. And so if you're a prime contractor, maybe you're taking it, you're giving it right to uh, Jane Doe at the Department of Labor. <clears throat> you're sending her the report every pay period. It is pay period based reporting. Maybe if you're a subcontractor, you're reporting it to your prime contractor and they're the one taking that aggregated reporting and giving it to that government agency. But in the end, it ends up with the government in the sense of showing them that you were compliant with all the aspects of what you had to adhere to from the standpoint of the contract. And how, how frequently is that due? Like, I, like you make a, you run a payroll, you got to send it right away, or is there a, 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 a grace period? It's a good question. Typically you'll find that uh, about one week's worth of time between the conclusion of the pay period and the next pay period beginning is about the, generally accepted amount of time that you can take to submit the report and then what happens if you don't because that's typically <laughs> the customers that will yeah. <laughs> yes we've had many a, a client uh, who was in that situation one example i remember is uh this client just uh, for a variety of reasons they kind of lost track of this internally <clears throat> and it's not ever always a guarantee that you're going to be informed that you're out of compliance in a five-day window and it may take a long time for you to be informed that you're out of compliance. And if you don't notice that you're not getting paid, which is the primary uh, consequence of not doing this reporting on time and in the right format, you may not even be aware that this is transpiring. And so we had a client come to us who said, we're about a year and a half behind on the reporting that we need to do for this project. And we just realized we have over a million dollars in payments that are held up to us. And we're not getting that money until we catch up. And so the, the primary consequence around this uh, not doing it on time and in the right report format is that your payments will be held up to you for your work on the job until all the reporting is uh, is finalized. They're requiring yeah. this before they pay the contract to you as the end customer. That's that's absolutely right. And then was this designed as a way for um, when you make bids on government contracts, was this designed that you're not going to pay uh, short your you try to get more budget and margin out of your labor, kind of keep that fair. That's right. Yeah. The, the genesis of this all really is in that labor compliance sense, right? How, how are we going to ensure this is the government thinking about this, that the employees, the labor on these projects is being compensated fairly. That's definitely where this originated. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the Shawshank redemption where the, 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 the the prisoners were were forced to work and, and do <laughs> and do all this stuff at a you know at a fraction of the cost of you know and I remember the, um, the 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 other contractor coming up and saying hey I can't bid I can't 
I can't win any contracts because you have these slave slave labor. So this uh, this sort of thing is just to make oh, sure that they're regardless of where they're working, that they'll be able to get the same pay um, as long as it's you know for for a public contract like like a government. That's exactly right, leveling that playing field, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So kind of the uh, the government's being a union <laughs> uh, type of thing where it's making sure that they're, they're, the people doing the work are, are getting fairly compensated for what they're doing, right? That's exactly it. Okay. So we've been kind of hanging out on the bacon here. Uh, is there, <laughs> what <are> the, <laughs> well, actually, what you are, alluded also to uh, an item that I wanted to mention, which is who does this actually impact, right? What type of industries are involved in this? And it's, it's actually interesting. People always really think of it as construction, uh -huh. right? Somebody who's wearing a hard hat and is out on a, on a highway or something like that. And that of course is the, the bulk of this, right? Heavy construction buildings, highways, residential work, if it's a uh, government funded housing project or something like that. And that <clears throat> residential example, is kind of one where you can start to see some jumping off points, right? Because we have clients who are in every industry you can imagine. <clears throat> I think one of the most unique ones is uh, an interior decorator client. And they are a client because they do jobs in post office buildings. They decorate mm -hmm. rooms in post office buildings. So this expands uh, beyond that, that construction term that you know most people think of. And it is definitely something that uh, you might be surprised around some of the government contracts that are out there, the industries that they affect. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wide net that this can cast. And we have clients, like I said, that are in every type of uh, field you can imagine. So uh, my brother, my brother-in-law is, or he will be in about three weeks. Uh, he, he uh, is a painter, but he paints a lot of Chick-fil-A's and Taco Bell's and things like that. That does not require certified payroll reporting, right? That does not in and of itself. However, if one of those was on a airbase, and this is a real example of something that we ah. had a situation, then, uh, then it would be. So I wonder if like, sometimes we've gotten bids for software, but we, we're not including an installation. But if we were, I imagine in order to get paid for the installation component, I'd need to do certified payroll to make sure I wasn't hiring out my 15-year-old child at $4 an hour. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, no child labor violations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Gary Sweatshop. Um, <laughs> and uh you know this is also <clears throat> definitely impactful in that small to medium-sized business area right 90 almost 95 percent of federal contracts are awarded to small medium-sized business vendors so oh. this is definitely something that affects not only the big companies that sometimes have teams of people that are sitting around dealing with compliance reporting uh, but also the company where John Smith goes out and pours concrete all day, and then he has to come home and he has to handle this type of a requirement. And that's actually the, the majority of the types of companies that are winning these contracts. All right. What else do you, do you have uh, any other slides to share? A couple with more uh, slides okay. here. Uh, this one we touched on about the frequency of this. Actually, there is a point I always like to make around this that people are always curious about. What's the frequency of the reporting, right? And so, the easy answer is, well, it's a weekly report, but the more uh, technical answer is that typically it's pay period based reporting. And in the vast majority of occasions with government contracts, 
there will be a stipulation in the contract that you be a weekly pay frequency, at least the employees that you're going to have on the prevailing wage project. So when our uh, clients are asking us about this from a, a subject matter standpoint, that's always the answer we give because a lot of times people will discover, oh yeah, there is actually a provision in this contract that I have to pay my employees weekly. Right now I'm set up to be bi-weekly or I'm set up to be semi-monthly. I'm gonna need to adjust that to really be in compliance with this. And so ultimately the weekly reporting is really aligning to the idea that there's a, a requirement to be a weekly pay frequency. And again, that goes back to the origin of this from the thirties, people were not being paid, uh, laborers were not being paid predictably. Right? There wasn't a, uh, a good degree of standardization around that. So when they would get their funds was uh, a little bit all over the board. So this was also an attempt to help standardize that and basically say, if you're gonna take this job, the people on the job must be paid every single week. And that still carries forward to today. So do they have to ultimately either create the create their pay free, you know, change their pay frequency in order to in order to do that? Or or can they do that with the with with, with these reports? Like, you know, they'll they'll have some kind of, you know, pay like a crude payroll uh, as, as part of the reporting. It's a good question. Ultimately, they can still do the reporting without changing the frequency. But what will likely be a effect of that will be that whoever is receiving the report could review that and say, you know, I have some questions about your pay frequency based on the mm -hmm. data you give me. And that could then, you know, circle back around to, we need you to change your pay frequency to be weekly. I always wonder by the, the one customer I had that had certified payroll, so I didn't have, didn't dabble in a lot, but it was annoying. She had to do weekly payroll. Now I understand why, because I was always <laughs> thinking, can't you just do this bi-weekly? This is painful. Yep. <laughs> There's the genesis of it all the way back multi, to the 1930s. And multi-state well, I mean, and overtime and all that fun stuff. It was it was complicated. And it seems like it's almost uh, you know kind of like a cart cart before the horse sometimes. Like if they don't put these uh, reports in, they don't get paid, which means that they can't pay their <laughs> pay their pay their employees. So it's it it does it could have a, a, a snowball effect. Now, Kate, I wanted to ask you um, when you are, are talking to a, a prospective payroll provider, does this sort of conversation come up and then, you know, so that you make sure that they're, they're, they're getting the right payroll, payroll product? Yeah. Since we, um, since we do partner with points North, we're, uh, we work with them. Actually, my dad's company also uses points North because of the bidding and everything of that sort. So I'm very, very familiar with points. North. So it's just, it's more about hearing the conversations and it's not, a lot of times comes up for like every conversation, but just knowing kind of like the keywords, what to listen out for. So you, you, you have uh, your certified payroll radar up <laughs> and if they say government yep. contracting. Yep. I just that, say, hey, we, ADP doesn't do it. We have, there's some things ADP is good at, some things we're not good at. That's why we partner with Points Norse and I just pass them over to them and they, that's where we can work together and make sure that we get everything all handled. Got it. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, if there's anyone that is watching, if you've ever had to or needed to create certified payroll reports, you can throw that in the, the, the chat um, so we can kind of continue this uh, uh, conversation. Uh, <clears throat> Nick, any uh, any other topics that you want to cover? I think, I think this, is, this is super helpful. Oh, good. Yeah, just a couple more key points, right? <clears throat> Doing this type of reporting, uh, 
is intensive, right? And so even the Department of Labor, by their own admission, says that it'll take you 55 minutes to create one of these reports uh, properly and to submit it to the right agency. So this is something where, uh, you know, sometimes people people wonder, do I, is it really this intensive? Is it really this detailed? It is. It is. And that still goes back to the origin of all of it, which is it's important in the government to make sure that the employees on these jobs are being compensated fairly. And so the creation of these formats, and I say formats, uh, plural, deliberately, uh, takes some time. The other thing that's happened since the 1930s, I'm just going to go ahead to uh, another key slide that I want to show, uh, is that many, many different formats of these reports have come into existence. Right? It's not just that there's one singular format to report all of this. It will also depend, just like the prevailing wage, on where you're doing your job geographically. And so if you're working in multiple states and you have to submit data to, for example, the California Department of Industrial Relations versus the New York City Office of the Comptroller, there's going to be very different formats of those reports that you'll have to adhere to. And if you don't do the uh, report, like we mentioned, on time, but also in the right format, that's where the report could be sent back. And they'll say, the agency will say, that's not our format. We need it in our specific uh, format in order for us to consider this compliant. So that complexity broadens out even further as you're working across the country and having to adhere to all these different forms. These are just a so, sampling. Know, so as we, as we talked about last week about payroll forms in various states, every state is going to have its own method to its madness. You couldn't just, you know, create these as a CSV file and uh, email it to them, right? I mean, you, you got to put in a certain, certain format for them to accept it and then and then to review it and approve it, right? That's absolutely right. And the uh, PDF formatting of these reports that are still oftentimes required to be printed out, signed by hand, put in the mail, right? That's still very common. Uh, more often now you can actually email a PDF version of a report to someone and have it digitally signed. But there's also a, re a requirement around electronic filing with a lot of this now, where certain states and certain third parties contracting with states receive this data electronically and those formats are all different too so there's definitely a requirement to know the format depending again on uh, geographically where you're going to be doing the work that sounds like um just it's riddled for delays if you <laughs> if you have to mail it in uh and uh, have it signed in order for someone to re to review it is is that is that common uh for the, for those states or those those places that that only are using that method? It is. It is. And, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I started in this space, I will say it was a lot more common that that print it out, sign it by hand, mail it in requirement was uh, prevalent. It, that's definitely now started to transition to the majority of these being acceptable to email. So that's certainly cut down on delays. Uh, but now even more, it's shifting to the electronic filing aspect. But, yeah, when there's still a requirement <clears throat> to print it out, sign it by hand, and mail it in, that's when you're going to be at the biggest risk for delay. And sometimes people are surprised that that is still a requirement, but it, it is in certain areas. It definitely is. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess and that points North will kind of streamline this and automate it for, for people that, that need to uh, need to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, certainly. Yeah. We can integrate with payroll. Like you heard, we integrate uh, very well with ADP. The data from your payroll processing flows into our system through that integration. And then, onto whichever report formats, the specific formats that uh, might be required.
based on the contract. So that is exactly kind of the crux of our solution is we have clients in all 50 states and they use different payroll systems and we want to receive that data and get it onto these very specific formats that uh, payroll systems just aren't able to keep up with because the formats do continually change, they continually evolve, and uh, it has to be right. And it has to be on time. So that's exactly what our system is geared towards helping with. Yeah, because I'm from my years in, in, in QuickBooks uh, support, I knew there is an option for certified payroll in Excel, but that's as far as I took people, right? <laughs> Just, you know, clicking that button as far as, you know, whether or not it was correct or not, I, I, I really couldn't, I couldn't tell people whether it was or, or what the out, you know, what the output was. Um, but just getting them to that point, and that that's typically where we would kind of stop. Is like once it gets data in there, then then we're we're kind of done with that. But um, but you you ended up uh, points north. We'll, we'll we'll see it to the to the to the final destination, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. Any um, any other things you want to mention? I'll just conclude here with, again, just kind of an overview of all the industries that this can pertain to, right? It's very broad. And so uh, sometimes people think, well, I will, I'll never come up against one of these jobs. It's just not anything I work on. But more than likely, uh, you might find that there is something out there that is a available prevailing wage contract that fits your industry. Uh, another unique example is a client we have in the entertainment business. They do uh, stage curtains. Well, you wouldn't necessarily think of government with that, except when it uh, becomes a contract with the school. So now all of a sudden it's prevailing wage, right? And so this is a really broad, uh, really broadly available industry that people can explore. And uh, like you mentioned, Dan, we're always happy to help if uh, clients do end up getting into that space. All right. So I, I think, um, I think we've exhausted uh, the, <laughs> the, the topics, uh, you know, without getting too, you know, in, into the weeds with uh with with regards to certified payroll but it definitely does you know touch the surface it certainly is an iceberg under the <laughs> under the water um and it's great for you to to join us here today so that we could talk talk this through and we know that there is a there's a solution out there when uh, if if you're if you're watching this and you're a bookkeeping accounting professional or if you are uh in one of those industries that could potentially need that sort of thing uh, there is there is a, a solution that's out there. So we appreciate you coming on uh, the workshop. Carrie, do you have any uh, final final thoughts? Uh, no, just confirming that. So you said this does work with QuickBooks as well. So if you're using the QuickBooks integrated payroll stuff, it can connect up, assuming you have it set up properly. You would direct that, that a question, question or a statement. <laughs> oh yeah so it does work with i know it works with adp for sure but it does if you have the integrated quickbooks payroll it you can set it up to pull the, the data and do the same thing i assume absolutely yeah we have clients people. that are on uh quickbooks desktop we have clients that are on quickbooks online and then yeah. we have clients that use uh, T-Sheets, which is now known as QuickBooks Time, and we can integrate with all of those. Okay, awesome. So and if part then, of the program it, needs that time, those hours? That's right. And, and uh, let's say there's a client that doesn't have the hours tracking aspect. We can still integrate the payroll data. That can okay. be common for our clients, right? They might be doing time still a little bit more manually, 
So they can put that time data right into our application and we can still source in the payroll data. That's not a problem at all. Okay. And then and the off chance that they're not using ADP or QuickBooks, but other payroll providers, is that something that you, you integrate with as well? Yeah, we integrate with uh, several major providers, Paycor, Paychex, UKG, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again for, for joining us here today. We've, uh, um, so next, next week uh, on the workshop, we'll, we'll be continuing this. What, what happens when it's more than just uh, creating paychecks? And we'll talk about uh, the total source option. You know, when, you, when you're taking your, taking your payroll or your business to the next level and you need kind of like an all-in-one uh, payroll solution that it does not involve you as a business owner <laughs> or it does involve you, but not most of the decisions with, with regards to your payroll. So we'll have uh, – uh, so Kate's going to be bringing in uh, some uh, cleanup hitters uh, yeah. from, <laughs> from ADP to talk a, talk a little bit about that. And then we'll wrap up our – our, our sessions on the uh, payroll fundamentals and start something new. <laughs> Real exciting. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on the weekly workshop Wednesday and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye everyone. Have a, Have a good day.